Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good afternoon, New York, and the rest of our listeners around the globe. My name is June Stoyer, and I'm the host of the Organic View Radio Show. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Zoom, and you can also visit our website at www.theorganicview.com. If you have any questions for our guests, there are many ways you can contact the show. You can post a question on our wall on Facebook, Skype us, send us a tweet on Twitter to at The Organic View, or you can contact me directly at June Stoyer on Twitter. Today, my favorite Rosarian in the whole wide world, Susan Fox, otherwise known as Gaga, is going to be talking about making the transition from urban rose gardening to country gardening. As people move from the concrete jungle to the serenity of the country, gardening habits and routines also must change. In addition to adapting to different growing zones, plant selection and care are also critical. Many people tend to forget about that, and this especially applies to roses. Roses, after all, are the most prized collection of any garden. It is said that Shakespeare once said, quote, of all flowers, methinks the rose is best. So I would like to welcome Susan Fox, founder of Gaga's Garden. And for those of you that are not familiar with this lovely award-winning Rosarian, uh, she is an avid horticulturist holding national awards for growing prize-winning roses and award-winning gardens. And she has, let me tell you, you take a look at all the information on her website. And if you happen to be lucky to visit her uh, live and in person, uh, perhaps she'll take you on the grand tour. So I would like to welcome to the show Ms. Susan Fox. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, June. It's such a pleasure. I always look forward to talking with you. And as we've often said, we could talk all day about gardening, about roses, and um, it's just a, it's just a thrill to have a chance to chat with you about uh, all of the areas of growing roses and encourage viewers to to call in or send send a question by a Twitter or email in any way that we can I've really I think I've told you before I've took a commitment to um to um, encourage people any way I can to to grow roses and um tell them that it's really just not that hard. I think we, last time we talked I told you that whenever people have asked me about growing roses I think many Many times the only deterrent is that they perceive that there's some difficulty associated with growing roses, and I just want to stress again that it's really, really easy. It's just not that hard. So I think there's just a common misperception about a difficulty in uh, growing roses. So my commitment is to tell everybody it's just not that hard. So get out there and plant some rose bushes. <laughs> now, before they begin, uh, <laughs> before they begin, Susan, when you're preparing for a whole new plot, and mm-hmm. in your situation, you actually moved from one state to another. Now, right. 
considering the fact that you are a pro uh, and maybe you know you have other people out there that are seasoned gardeners, but you know, just to refresh their memory, what are the first steps that you should take before you begin to figure out, okay, where am I going to plant and what am I going to do and where do I get started? Well, you know, I think I'll just do a little bit of background, but I grew up in northern Illinois along Lake Michigan, and so I inherited my mother's rose garden and learned how to, I learned a lot from her, and then I inherited the rose garden, and I wanted to know how to, um, everything about growing roses, and I went to the Libertyville Men's Garden Club, and and they taught me um, just everything that you need to know from the very basics to to showing roses. And um, so growing roses in a northern climate um, is very different from from growing in, um, I think we got into talking about zones, so I'm from the southern climate of Texas. So here I'm growing roses in northern Illinois where when you prune a rose bush, you dig an inch below the ground to find something living, you know, that's pretty easy to prune. You just cut it down to the ground and hope something survives. You know, if you've protected it, hope that the bush comes back, you know, that you've got something that will survive through the winter. So you move to Texas and pruning is an art form. You know, you've you're got the bush that's survived. And um, so it's just, um, it's very... Um, it's very different. It's, I felt like when I moved from Northern Illinois to Texas that I had moved to a whole different planet. So then I moved, I moved to Texas with a corporate relocation, and I learned how to grow roses in that completely different uh, soil. The soil was known as Texas gumbo. It was clay. But what I want to stress to everyone is that um, roses like to grow in pretty much the same soil everywhere, and it consists of soil amendments that are organics that consist of no matter what your soil is. And I did the same thing here. I did it in Illinois where you have a deep, rich black soil. I went to Texas, and I took that Texas gumbo, and I rototilled it up, and those roses in Texas didn't even know that they were growing in Texas gumbo because I rototilled the subsoil and added to that subsoil um, well-rotted hummus or compost and then a uh, layer of Canadian peat moss, um, ground barks, and then seasoned manure, sand, garden gypsum, and then um, you just, and you can add, I added bone meal, and then you just, rototill that up, and no matter where you live, that's the perfect soil mix that I found for growing roses. And I put in that same, I just was putting in the beds here, and whether you're doing an elevated bed or whether you're putting it your bed directly in the ground, if you will rototill or dig, your, dig a deep hole, if you put in a mix, um, your roses, if it's, if it's well-drained, and the, the sand and those uh, organic mixture, the roses are going to be pretty happy. They're not going to know they're growing in Texas gumbo or clay or whatever kind of soil that you have if you've got that mixture of organics. Um, and that's 
that's what I found is the perfect mixture for rose growing. Is that an easy answer? Did that sound easy to you? That's a lot uh, of words, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Not really, because if you think about it, it's it's kind of I, I tend to equate gardening with cooking because I mean the one of the beautiful things about gardening is that um, you know. To a certain degree, you have some room for mistakes, whereas baking, everything has to be accurate. Um, and, you know, every gardener, every even professors that I've met, that I've, um, you know, uh, talked to about different plant situations where they've killed plants, uh, no matter how care, no matter how careful you can be, things happen. I mean... I was a little mortified. I, I overwintered a, a, a fig tree, and lo and behold, in early March, uh, the, the leaves started to come out, and then all of a sudden I had three little tiny baby figs, and then the temperature dropped, and mm-hmm. so did my baby figs. So that was the end mm-hmm. of that. And that's my own stupidity because I moved my fig tree uh, to my back porch thinking that it would get more light, not realizing that it was a little bit too cold back there, even though it's enclosed. It it, it, it still um, was subjected to a slight temperature um, change. And, you know, plants are very sensitive, and people tend to forget that. And they tend to remember it after they've killed the plant or, or you, know, you know, done something damaging. Exactly. Now, now, when when you moved, did you dig up any of your roses? Did you take anything with you? What did you do? You know, I can't I, I can't believe that you asked that because I would have dug up every single one of them. I mean, I, it was you didn't the hardest. <laughs> no, um, it was the gut wrenching to leave. Just think that bed that I put in in Texas. So I, I moved from northern Illinois, and the bed that I put in was, okay, I'm go- I built the house, and I'm going to put in my dream garden. And the, a dream garden in Texas was, all right, this is going to be elevated beds. I'm going to put in um, a drip system. I rototill the subsoil. I put in all these organic the soil amendments, it was a perfect growing, absolutely. I even would take the soil test and send it to Texas A&M. I mean, perfect growing conditions, you know, the, the drip, laser drip watering system, so no water got on the leaves and burned the leaves. And so, and then started putting in the roses that, you know, I was showing roses in northern Illinois. These were the, shro- the roses that were winning all the awards. So, here, I'm going to leave, and I've just gotten 200 roses, and that garden won the Plano Large Garden Tour from the Dallas Rose Society. And now I find that a lot of those hybrid teas, that I, I'm having a lot of difficulty finding some of those varieties. But I've, I had to find someone that used to work for the St. Louis Botanic Gardens. Like, I've driven all over the place trying to find the varieties that I need here. So I wish that I had dug up roses. I wish that I'd, I wish that I'd moved, <laughs> I wish that I had moved roses and then furniture, you know? <laughs> uh, a lot so, of pe- I know. think a lot of people definitely um, can relate to that. 
But, you know, I, I just want to say something because the next time we talk, June, I'm really um, – I we have such a long list of things that we want to do in this transition to country gardening, and one of them is to put in um, a little greenhouse. But I hope to be able to um, start in my own roses on their own root system. So um, I hope – one of these days, maybe next year, you'll be talking to me, and I will. Um, I'm talking to um, one of the rose hybridizers that I known, and he says it's easy. I, I tried to start a rose that I saw a wild rose out along um, Lake Tahoe that I I started my own little built my own little mini greenhouse, but I was not successful. But uh, I don't want to get off topic too much, but. I hope to be able to start some of my own roses on their own root system, and, and then we'll have a whole other topic to talk about. And um, because roses are very hardy and strong, like miniatures that are growing on their own root system, so then we'll have other hours and hours of topics, and I'll be telling people how to do that. So, um, so far, I've you know just bought roses that are on. Um, grafted on root systems and miniatures that are growing on root systems that. Um, that's what I hope to do in my spare time. When I'm not, I've been off task for a while because I decided to clear the hill behind the little red barn, and then I said, oh, I thought I was going to scatter seed along there, and my husband said, no, let's plant some sort of ground cover. So I've been planting 600 winter creeper when I wasn't sliding down the hill. Wow. (laughs) Now let me ask you a question. With the move, um, Now, I understand that you, you know, you can only take so much, and it's really tough. Um, You know, what do you recommend to someone who can actually um, dig up the plants and take them with them? You know, I said that, but I did take, um, you know, the, the, um, there's a miniature that this friend had, named after me and I did take some of those miniatures so I would suggest that you dig them up and and you can put them in some um, vermiculite and potting soil I would say dig them up and put them in um, you know put them in a pot you should have seen I these weren't I didn't protect them this much I just took um, some potting soil and um, peat moss and put them in smaller pots and uh, I wasn't real – I didn't have a lot of time because the house sold fairly quickly. And so I put them in um, – they didn't come up easily, and I practically ripped them up at the roots and threw them in. Basically, I'm just going to tell you. I mean, that's – and they – I put them in these um, pots here. I'm growing them in um, – you know, they're potted, and they look great. So I brought them here, threw them in a pot, and they look great. So how's that for scientific transplanting? <laughs> so you know, I was I was going to say because I had um, I, I digress for a second. I had a, a wonderful neighbor. She was so lovely in Texas, and she asked me. I told her how she wanted to put in a rose bed, and I had students in Texas that I loved dearly that I would help them with um, start some rose gardens. And my neighbor, I told her that it was best to put in. Uh, elevated beds and one day she came and she saw me in the front yard putting some roses directly in the ground and she practically accused me of 
high trees in it. And I said, well, I know, I know I'm putting them in the ground because I decided to just throw them in the ground. And she also saw that I wasn't doing some of these other things. I said, I dug a hole, I threw some peat moss in, I'm putting them in the ground. I, I know that I'm breaking my own rules, but occasionally I just decide to do that. So, you know, sometimes the rose will grow just fine if you just decide you want to dig a hole and throw a whole bunch of peat moss in and stick it in the ground. So just like you said, plants are sometimes forgiving and you might just decide to break your own rules and do things like that, and, and I do. So I ripped these plants out of the pot, threw them in a bucket, brought them up here, stuck them in a pot, and they look great. So Wow. Now let me ask you a question. When it comes to the catalogs, um, I mean, would you advise ordering any of the specific roses that you want ahead of time and then having them delivered to the new location? I had to do that because I had so much difficulty um, in in the cities. For instance, at Dallas, in Dallas, there were locations that I could go to and buy, uh, you know, one one and a half grade roses in a pot. They were two, you know, large um, two year roses, three, and you know they're pretty expensive. But here, I had to buy bare root roses shipped mm-hmm. to me. Um, because I couldn't find them. So I I ordered from, um, I, I talked to him on Twitter. You probably have heard Chris, you mentioned him, um, Chris Van Cleve. He's president of the Birmingham Rose Society, and his name, he's known on Twitter as Redneck Rosarian. He's a wealth of information, and he also does Rose Chat. He will help anybody um, if you go to his website. It's uh, at Redneck Rosarian, but he mentioned a supplier out of Tennessee, and I bought some um, um, Barrett roses, and they're doing they're doing quite well. In fact, two miniatures that I put in my outside um, the planter in the front yard, because we like Twitter so much, they're called all a Twitter, and I should have bought four of them. They're a really deep um, deep orange, and I think I also mentioned. Instead of planting begonias and annuals, I've switched out my annuals for the perfect perennial, which are miniature roses because they come back every year. They grow in their own root system, and they're just beautiful. And you can, they're hardy, and you can prune them to, you know, to stay low in a in a planter along your house. So I planted all a Twitter miniature roses in the front flower planter. So yes, I. My, my long answer, my, my long and short answer is, yes, I bought some bare root roses. They shipped to me. They arrived beautifully. I planted them. They're, they've got buds all over them. They look great. So, I think that's a good solution. And you have to get your catalogs early and order early because when I went back to them because I needed two more of those roses, they were already out of all a Twitter gone. Wow. Now. I have another question. Do you also recommend that perhaps people plant any any varieties that they're not too sure uh, if they'll last, especially in the new uh, zone? Do you recommend potting in or planting them in pots? Um, you know, I, I think I've mentioned this to you before, June, and I know we probably have new listeners, but one of the um, – all-time um, 
most winning Rosarians and that I knew in the Chicagoland area. Um, he lived in a shady home, and he used to grow all of his prize-winning roses in pots. And think of this dedication. He moved his roses based on the sunshine. Can you imagine? He would move his roses um, so they would get the a rose needs six to eight hours of sun a day. So he would move his roses so they got maximum amount of sun exposure each day. So now I haven't ever done that. I mean, I'm not moving those pots six. I'm not going out there and moving those pots around all day. No, I know. <laughs> but, but roses grow beautifully in pots. For instance, if you you listeners that have apartments, because I have heard this from people. I have a great friend on Twitter, Margie Clayman, if you're listening, and she says, I, you know, I live in an apartment. If you've got patios, uh, miniature roses are beautiful on patios and decks, and um, they make just absolutely gorgeous um, arrangements, and you can plant them, and they come, they, they come back, or you can bring them in the house in the winter and then just put them back out, and you don't have to keep replacing them like you do annuals. So, um, not even not just miniatures, but you can buy yourself a great Florabunda. For instance, if you like, a lot of people like the lavender roses, like Angel Face is a purple rose. I mean, there's lots of unusual colors, multicolor roses that you can in a Florabunda, and that you keep trimmed low and bring in bring in from your patio and then put it back out in your patio. So there's lots of options. But Thank you, Susan. Now, I have a question for you. When it, um, when it comes to uh, companion planting, um, what flowers do you plant? What other plants do you plant around your roses so that you don't have to spray? Um, I plant, well, remember, we've talked about that, and a lot of people don't realize that a high-pressure water wand will take care of so many pests. I mean, for in the spring, I think I had told you that I bought um, here. I don't ha- didn't have to buy ladybugs because I have so many ladybugs. You just this must be where the people who sell ladybugs at garden centers come to get ladybugs because I have ladybugs everywhere. So mm. ladybugs ladybugs are a good, good little bug that, that take they eat aphids. And aphids are a pest that will you know when you see little tiny holes in your rosebuds, that's usually aphids because they like to eat they just like to eat your rosebuds. So if you have a problem with aphids, just take your hose or water wand. You can buy them at any garden center. And most bugs that are on your, most little insects, you know, the, what people say are what bad bugs on your plants that are eating your plants, you can take a water wand and wash them off. Um, another pest that goes after roses are called spider mites. And spider mites are a problem in during the hot dry seasons, the hot, dry climates. 
Um, so I used to say if you start out in the summer, in the first part of the year, it's you know you have aphids, and then as soon as it gets hot and dry, then it's spider mites, and spider mites wash off of the water wand. You just take a hot, you know, you take your water wand, and you you they go are underneath the leaf, and you can tell if you have spider mites with like, if you can't feel them with your finger, they feel kind of like a grainy feel, but with a magnifying glass, it would kind of look like salt and pepper. But you really know you have spider mites because they can do like a deforestation. They just, they suck the moisture out of the leaves of the plant and then the leaves just drop off. So another solution, water wand. That's how you get rid of them because you don't want to use anything that gets rid of the good bugs in your garden. And good bugs take care of, you know, they eat the pesky little Spider mites and ladybugs are good bugs, and um, these are the type of little creatures that you want living in your garden. Thank you. And my next question for you, Susan, is um, how many roses do you put in a new bed? And can you talk about the size of the beds? And, you know, what is a good gauge for somebody that is, um, you know, looking to start a whole new bed. I mean, what what restrictions do they need to consider? Well, I think that's a really good question for, for me right now because when I put over the years and I put the beds in in Texas and I got more and more roses, I felt that at 200 roses and they were spread, they were spread out so <clears throat> when I was hauling, I used this big mixture of organic fertilizer. And I really like to talk about that because um, my husband, I was dragging bags of feather meal, and I just loved all of this mixture of, I actually bought bat guano and all of these great things I just love to mix up, you know, cotton seed um, um, meal and um, so feather meal and cotton seed. And I was dragging it around and my husband got me this great big cart so we could mix up this organic fertilizer. Really what it's doing is building up the soil. So I think it's kind of distance. Where do you want, you know, how much, how capable are you to get around and work on the bed and, and ease of working on the bed. So here, I guess I don't want to spread out quite the distance that I did in Texas. I had those beds all over. I had them in, I had them in the front. I had them on the side of the house. And also, I think you need to consider where, where do you spend time outside and in the house? Where do you want to look at the garden? You know, do you, if you... Where would you like the view? Where would you like to spend time looking at the garden? And do you want to spend the most time outside in the garden, or do you want to be in the house and viewing the garden? So I think, um, do you want a concentrated location of color so you can spend time there and spend most of your time working there, or do you want them spread out and having to take a lot of your tools and, um, you know, like I did my cart, full of my, um, finally, when when my husband helped 
he's a solutions person. He didn't think it was the best idea for me dragging my bags and things around. He picked this big cart full of my organic mixture and <clears throat> made me a big cup on a long handle so I could make it easier. But now I, I'm planning a more concentrated area. So hmm. um, I we did put a big elevated bed. I'll put a picture on the on the website pretty soon. It's um we put an elevated bed next to the deck and um I kiddingly said it's a Godzilla rose garden because it looks kind of massive. But it's five feet <clears throat> I can let's see I can give you the dimensions. I I made a walkway and I made it um so I'd have two rows and there's gonna be room for about 30, 30 to 40 roses in that bed. Wow. So it should, it's going to be, and I put a great big bird bath in the center of it. Now that's interesting, um, <clears throat> bird bath, the whole topic of bird baths, it's interesting. Um, a colleague of mine was talking about this very subject the other day, and he's got a butterfly garden, and um, the there was a gal from uh, another one of the committees that he's on who wants to uh, do something, create some type of a, uh, um, a garden bed to attract more birds. So uh, he was saying, well, if you have it too close to the butterfly garden, basically all you're going to do is create almost like a food bar for the birds. So it's just kind of interesting. Now, when it comes to the bird baths, um, when it, in a rose garden, what do you recommend? Like, where would you place a bird bath? I mean, it seems like a ridiculous question, but it's not. It's actually quite important. Do you know um, a... A friend of mine told me that, and I did this in Texas, and I had more, um, it, it created more time. I, they, she said that if you really want birds to come and, and to watch birds to put, that they need they really needed water to drink in Texas. And do you know that she said put it on the ground? You, you should have seen, I put a... Um, you know, I had a uh, just a, a tray, like a bottom tray that you put under plants, and I put it on the ground, and you should have seen how many birds came not to take baths. They came to drink water in Texas. I literally put out water for drinking, for and, and the critters, the fence, there was a uh, windstorm, and part of the fence, was down enough for little creatures and here I was in an urban setting and one morning I got up and I had a whole family of just think in, in the city I had a mother raccoon and two babies I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing at before you know early in the morning I saw these glowing eyes so I had a family of raccoons in that you know here you would say bird bath it's on the ground and constantly little creatures are coming to that little water source. So you think bird bath, but really what it ends up being is a source for water. So um, I've done that ever since, is I've put water on the ground because it brings little creatures that I guess, I don't know, 
now that I've only been back in Illinois, I don't know because there's so much more water here mm. than Texas. I'm not sure. I haven't seen I haven't seen that many creatures going to the bird baths that I put out because there's so much more water here. But in Texas, it was even with the sprinklers in the heat. Um, little creatures were drawn because they needed water so much more. So I don't think I don't know if I answered your question, June. But I didn't ever see any birds chasing. I had a lot of butterflies there, but I didn't see because they had more birds there. I didn't see them going after the butterflies. You know, I didn't see that happening. You know Interesting. <clears throat> oh, of course. Now, um, let me ask you another question. When it comes to uh, the different types of uh, materials that you can use to uh, act as guides for your roses or, you know, just different types of um, uh, the the cages and whatnot, what do you recommend? I mean, should you mix it up? I mean, what seems to be the most appealing? I mean, uh, if you don't have room for an arbor, what else? What other ideas do you have that are a little bit creative more than, uh, I'm just talking about more than going out to a garden center and plopping down a couple hundred bucks for this, uh, that, and the other thing? I mean, what are some of the more creative ones that you've seen? Well, you mean like... Um well, for the elevated bed, I mean, yeah. we, just used, we used, in Texas, used just landscape timbers that were really cheap. You know, they were inexpensive. Then for this bed that we were that we put in, we did use um, railroad. We went ahead and used railroad ties, which I, I did look. I looked up because I know there had been a lot of controversy about the, the coating that was on them, but that's if you're going to use for vegetable gardens. You know, I... What I researched was the problem was with creosote if you're going to use for food. I didn't see if there was any problem. And these were like aged. Um, and they're cheap. You know, mm. they still are cheap. But I, if you're going to grow food, I don't. I still don't think that that's probably a good idea. I don't. I still don't know that if it's any kind of problem for, for things like roses. But um, I, I think that if you wanted to use some of the around here they have places that sell some of the flagstone you know that you could put kind of a yeah. border and and still I don't think that's really expensive and then if you're going to just dig directly in the ground and then there's still just the option to dig a, a big hole just so long it's well drained and you use the the soil amendments that I mentioned, your roses are going to do just fine. They just don't like to have their that expression. They don't like to have their feet wet. They just have to. It just has to be well drained. And if you add plenty of the peat moss, compost, compost, and sand, yeah, then you don't have to worry about it. So just as long as, don't overwater them. You know, um, a lot of people don't realize is that established roses um, are very drought resistant and um, they only require like think of during the summer hot summer months they would only require like a big bucket of water a week because if you overwater roses it really encourages a shallow root system so you need to deep water just once a week and um, 
that encourages a deep root system, and then they're really very forgiving and drought resistant. So you can you can um, they have a smaller during the hot hot summer months they have they don't bloom quite as often, and the blooms are smaller because they kind of grow into they go into a little bit of a survival mode like everything else. Even mm. but um, they need you know about maybe three to five gallons a week in the hottest part of the month. So that's pretty drought resistant. A lot of people don't realize that they can survive some really hot. I mean, I had all those roses in Texas when it was 100, you know, 100 days of 100-degree weather, So, and they survived just fine. Now, Susan, let me ask you a question. Uh, like right now in the Northeast, the temperature has been dropping what do you do if you you know your roses are um they're starting to succumb to the warm weather and then all of a sudden you have this cold snap like the, like what we've been experiencing here what do you do at night do you take a tarp and cover them what can you do if anything you know the roses unless it's really really gets cold should be fine because um do you know in when a hard, hard frost, it takes, you know, I'd have to really check, but when it turns cold, like in the fall, it takes more than three, I think three to five days of 23-degree weather to actually, uh, for roses to actually just just. just come to uh, a killing frost. I mean, they're very hardy. So, like, here, it's gotten down to the roses have already budded out. They haven't, they've not bloomed yet in zone C. Mm. But it's gotten down to 30 degrees. Now, if it got into the 20s, I'd get out there and, and try to... New roses, let me back up a little bit. New roses that I planted, I mm-hmm. would be concerned about. <clears throat> Established roses... I wouldn't be as concerned about. Does that make sense? Of course, because it, it, the the new roses are not going to be as um, as stable. Hardy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Right. So, so new roses. Yeah, I because I did. I I really felt for you about your fig tree because I couldn't believe what I did. I took the same thing here. We had warm weather, and then I have a desert rose, which. Now I went online last night and said, how cold will it tolerate? And it said, don't move it outside until it's 50 degrees at night. Well, I took it outside, and and um, I it, it's way too soon. I, I hope I, I actually put pictures of it up last year of how magnificent. It bloomed more beautifully here. A desert rose bloomed more beautifully here in Illinois than it ever did in semi-arid Go Texas. Figure. Yeah, and... I put it outside. It's been in the house doing perfectly all year. I stick it outside, and it gets goes back down to just like you, 30. I think if I kill that, you're going to see a whole post about me mourning over why I stuck it outside and didn't put a blanket over it. You know. So, yes, we're having the same thing. All of a sudden, it's it's going back down into dangerously close to in 30-something, and I put up, I put the jasmine outside too. So yes, I went outside the other night and taking out the moving quilts and covering it up. But the roses I've left alone because they look, they're more hardy. Even 
I didn't even cover up all of Twitter. I, I have I did a post where I just stuck a box over it for a couple of days after I put it in, though, because it got cold. I have a silly sometimes you, sometimes that's basically all the best that you can do. You know. Yes. I mean, you you take what you can, but you don't want to smother the plants. Now, another question that I have, and this is coming from Janet uh, on Twitter, and she'd like to know, do you have any particular color scheme that you go by when you're planning a new rose bed? You know, tell Janet, I had so much fun when I got the I got the roses. I ordered first I got the roses from uh, for the floral bunda bed. And I, I wrote them down on a piece of paper, and I put down heights, and I wrote, put down colors, and I and I actually planned, you know, I didn't want to put whites together, and I didn't want to put, you know, two talls together. And, you know, floor abundance are pretty consistent, but um, I actually wrote them out, the colors, you know, like short and bushy, you know, they were going to say a certain... So I do try to plan that, although... My mother used to say, nature doesn't plan colors like that. You know, just stick them in the ground. But um, I just got, I picked up this, um, um, these roses that I got yesterday, and I'm, I will take my American Rose Society um, handbook for selecting roses, and I'm going to write down the colors for each one and the heights because I, I would rather start in the center with this new bed. I want to start in the center with the tallest rose, and I'm going to work out from the tallest to, um, you know, and go out to shorter roses. Because um, I, I just, I didn't do that in some of the beds in Texas, and I just didn't like the look of it. So I'm, I want to have, um, I don't want to have two whites together. You know, I want, I would like to have. I don't want to have two deep pinks together. So, yes, I do want to plan. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.